Good morning. I am very excited this morning. Yes, I am very excited. Thank you. Very excited this morning to be here and to share God's word with you. Um, I don't want to take any more time. Let's jump right into it. I want to be reading from Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 to 30. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 to 30. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. We've been on the theme around stewardship, and Pastor Louis has covered it quite extensively, talking about different things around our relationships, who we are in the Lord. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to just take it up further and say, this is what we are as a, body, as a body, and this is who we are also as individuals, and what is our responsibility regarding the kingdom of God. This part of scripture, I will be studying it from verse 19 because it's from a very well-known verse and, 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 and scripture and parable, which is around the ta- parable of talents. And so I would like to get into it if you are there. If you don't have your Bible here, you can read from the screens. Thank you. This is what it says. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest." Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Aye, aye. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we want to thank you that in you we live, we move, and we have our being. Apart from you, Lord, we are nothing, no one. But with you, Lord, it's incredible how much we can do, who we are, and how much we get our identity from who you are. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that this morning as we look around this topic of being good stewards, Lord, of what you've given us and who we are as the body, may we go out, Lord, to be the difference you've called us to be in this world, in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've mentioned earlier, this is the parable of the talent. It's a very well-known parable because it speaks about the talents and Jesus talking about the talents. 
Now, a lot of people may think that the parable of the talents has to do with uh, the gifts that you have, a talent if you are a runner, if you are um, an engineer, if you are... No, that's not the talents that the Bible here speaks about. Here, it actually speaks about money, literal money, gold bags. Um, and so, in, these, in those days, um, there used to be like a... a, a a, a person that owned a, a lot of things, like a household, and they would normally give or hand over some of the responsibilities towards their servants. And they would say to the servant, this is your responsibility, this is what I want you to do, and this is what I would like to get as a return. So it was a norm when they heard this parable that they understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. And so that's why I began with this parable from verse 19, because it's a very well-known portion of Scripture. But this portion of scripture, this parable, it's a much bigger story. This is part of Jesus' lecture. He's been talking for quite some time because we know that from Matthew chapter 24, from verse 3, this is one of the answers that Jesus is giving to his disciples. And this was the question that they had. They said, Lord, if you say that the temple will be destroyed and things will not be the way they are now, how will we know when these things will come? How will we know when these things will happen? And so we want an answer because they were wondering, the things that Jesus is talking about, how will they know? How will they know the end of age? How will they know to prepare themselves that Jesus, when he comes back, they will be able to know when he comes back. And so Jesus is answering them and he uses parable after parable after parable. The simplest way when you study theology, you are told all the time that uh, parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Earthly stories with, earthly, with, with heavenly meanings. Meaning that Jesus wanted to highlight the importance of what they were to do as disciples and who they were to reach as disciples and how they were to do this. And so Jesus' focus is more to do with the responsibility that he has handed over the disciples. Not so much he's coming back, but the responsibility that he's handing over to his disciples. And so from this chapter, from chapter 24 up until now, in chapter 25, verse 30, it's all a lecture. Jesus uses the parable of the ten virgins. He even goes further and he uses the parable of the sheep and the goats. Jesus is going on and on about the responsibility which the disciples were supposed to hold and they were supposed to do. And so he is going on about this. And this portion of scripture, he is coming and he's saying to the guys, guys, listen, it will be like this, it will be like this, it will be like a, a man who went away and he left his servants with some form of responsibility, some form of talent, some form of money, so they can be able to go and put it to work. And he was expecting a return on those talents, on that money, he was expecting a return. Why Jesus uses money? Because he knows, hey, money grabs our attention, Baba. Jesus knows this, and so he, he uses the parable so he can grab their attention, they can understand the importance of these talents. Now, these talents, if you look and you really dig quite a little bit, you will find that it actually means people. It means people. The talents are people. The people. Will you be able to take care of the people? Will you be able to take care of the people that I'm giving to you to go and minister to, to make disciples of? This is what Jesus was saying to his disciples. 
And so this morning, we want to unpack it a little bit, and I want to just open it up and say that this parable, it's one of those well-known ones, and it's exciting and it's great, but this morning, I want us to take out a little bit more out of it. Amen? And so I want us to really look into it and just delve into it. The title of my message this morning is this. Be ready for a life of purpose. Be ready for a life of purpose. Why must we be ready for a life of purpose? I have a question, and the question is this. When God formed you, what did he have in mind? When God put you together, what did he have in mind? Because if we know what God had in mind, then it's easier for us to even know what are we to do, who we are. So when God formed you, what did he have in mind? You are in his image, isn't it? And what did he have in mind? So I would like to highlight four main points from this portion of scripture that we just read. The first main point is this. The master, when he left his disciples or his servants in the time or his slaves in his household and he gave them the talents, the first thing that he did was that he entrusted responsibility to his servants. He entrusted responsibility to his servants. He said to them, here's a talent, put it to work until I come back. He is entrusting something to them. What has God entrusted you with? What are the things that God has entrusted us as a body, as a local church here in Hatfield? What are the things that God has entrusted us with? Because God will never call us to account on things he's never given us responsibility for. And so we are to understand that in this portion of Scripture, Jesus is highlighting that there's uh, something that he has given in each one's hand that they are to do. Perhaps you are a teacher, perhaps you are a nurse or an engineer, perhaps you are a banker, perhaps you are a builder. Whatever vocation you find yourself in, that is an environment perhaps that God has given you to be able to advance his kingdom. That from there you are able to minister to those that are in the dark. And so Jesus is saying that I have entrusted you with responsibility. Responsibility to what? To care for those that are around you. To care for the believers. To care for those that do not know me. Because of each and every local body, each and every person who walks and calls Jesus Lord, they have three things that they need to do. As a local body, we are called to be able to glorify God. We are called to make disciples. And we are called that we may go out and make a difference in the world around us. To glorify God, to walk with the Lord, to, to, to go out and make a difference in the world around us. And so we are called for much, much more. And I wonder, what is it that is in your hand? What is it that when 
God formed you, and he had in mind when he saw this, and he was molding you, and he was thinking about you when he was saying, you are, you are being put together, and this is your purpose. The question this morning is, what is that purpose? What is that purpose? When God formed you, what did he have in mind? Do you know who you are in him? Do you know what is your role in the kingdom? Do you know what is your role to go out and be the difference out there? What is it that you are supposed to be doing? I read a story a while back, a gentleman by the name of Russell Christoph. Russell Christoph, he was a, um, a, we will call it a preschool, a crash. They call it kindergarten in, in America. And he was a teacher in, in a preschool. And one day when he was about to have some, uh, he was buying some stuff and when he was in the shop, he saw on the coffee, on the instant coffee, he saw this picture. And he, he looked at this picture and he thought, this, this, looks like, this looks like me. And he wasn't sure, so he asked uh, the guy in the shop and he said to him, uh, shopkeeper, tell me, who's, who do you think this looks like? He says, no, it looks like you. So immediately he went and he went to the uh, agent because 16 years ago, uh, C Russell Christoph, he went and he, he, he posed for this uh, uh, coffee place, taster's choice, and he was taking photos. They were looking for a model, somebody that they can put a picture of on this container of, of instant coffee. And so they put his picture, but he didn't know about it. And so they put his picture, they said to him, when the picture is on, you will get 5% of everything that we're gonna make from this uh, advert. And so they didn't tell him, they signed the contract with him, and then 16 years later, he went to buy some stuff and he saw his picture on this uh, coffee tin. And he thought, something is definitely wrong, because I have not been called, nobody said anything to me, so definitely I need to go and find out about this. He went on and he got to find out what this is all about and he asked his lawyer to go investigate. Long story short, after some you know, tug of war and hustle, everything, it was proven by the jury in, in America that uh, Russell Christoph was actually right. He was supposed to get some money from this advertising that was done by this coffee company and he needs to get his reward. And believe it or not, uh, Russell Christoph was given $15.5 million. $15.5 million for just having that picture of his on this coffee tin. And it was discovered that this, this advertisement, this advert with his picture on, went to over 18 countries. So every single tin that was sold, Russell Christoph got some commission from it. What is the moral of the story? The moral of the story is this. If you know who you are, if you know who you are, you are able to do what you are called for. If you know who you are, you get paid. Russell, Russell Christoph, he went all out and he got this. And he, 
His life, I can imagine, changed completely. And so we are called as children of God to know who we are. And when we know who we are, we are able to fulfill the things that God has called us to fulfill because we'll be acting according to his call upon our lives. Many a times we ask God, God, what is your will for me? What is your will for my life? God wants us to engage with him so we can know what is our will for our lives. And so we are called to know who we are so that we can be able to live out who we are called to be. Do you know who you are in him? Do you know what you are called to be in him? There's identity and purpose. They go together if we know who we are. And so the master in this parable, he entrusted a responsibility towards his disciples or his servants or his slaves at the time to say, this is, you, this is what you are to go and do. So we are called to know who we are so we can be entrusted with kingdom matters. The second point from this portion of scripture is this. Not only are we entrusted with responsibility as God's children, as his disciples, we are also given an increase. The Lord, even in this portion, he increased their responsibility for faithfulness. They were called to not only keep this money and keep it safe, they were called to multiply it. If you are in the kingdom of God, you are called that those around you will not only know about Jesus and how to live for him, but they will also be able to tell others about him. I want to encourage you, if someone says next to you that they are at work or whatever, and they're saying, oh, I'm not well, oh, I'm sick, or I, I would like to put it out there and say, be the one who offers to pray for them. Be the one who offers to reach out to them and help them out with something that if it's in your power to act, that you would act it out. Jesus says that they were given, and not only given, but they were given to multiply. There's an increase that is given. There need to be increase in what they are given. There need to be increase in what they are to do. So he said they must increase. He increased them, and he said, do and multiply this. And so sometimes we think, Lord, I'm not like that one. This one is better. I would like to highlight it for you this morning. Sometimes we get so occupied with how the other one is doing it and how well they are doing it, but we miss out on the fact that in the things of the kingdom of God and in what God has given you, no one can beat you at it. No one can beat you at who, being you. No one can do it better than you. The fact, the fact is this, the fact is this, is that if you try and do it like someone else, you fail twice. You fail being yourself, and you fail to do it like they do it. And so in the kingdom of God, we are called, as children of God, in the kingdom of God, we are called that we are supposed to live and to act 
out what God has already given us to do. If you become the best in what you do, in what God has given you, no one will beat you at it. Because you are the only one who can do it like that. And so be confident in what you are called to do. And be the best at it. Can I give you some piece of wisdom? If you are the best and you give all that you are focusing on and you're giving your best, you will be less and less jealous of who's doing something else like you. Whenever you find yourself jealous of someone else, it's because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so we are called as children of God to multiply, to increase, to work on our gifts, to be able to be better at it because God trusted us with it. God trusted us with it. There's a story of a well-known lady, Martha Berry. Martha Berry stayed in Atlanta, Georgia, in Rome, and she was a school teacher. And being a school teacher, she lacked funds. Martha Berry decided that she's not even going to get married because she was so focused on raising up money to build a school. And so she started to build a school, but she didn't have enough funds. One of the students came to her and said, listen, Martha, there's a gentleman called Henry Ford. He's a, a, a multimillionaire man because he, he builds cars. Don't you think you must maybe write a letter to him or go and meet with him so you can be able to see if he can support this project that we have here of raising a school? And so, long story short, eventually they met with Mr. Henry Ford, and Henry Ford said to him, to her, thank you for coming and to share what, the, what you are doing. I appreciate that what you're doing it, but um, all I can give you, and Henry Ford took out money from his pocket and he gave her a dime. Now, if you know what is a dime, it's like less than one rand. And he says, this is all that I can give you. Martha Berry was not offended. She took the dime and she went and she bought a packet of uh, peanut seed, seed peanuts and she planted them and she made about three, four uh, harvests from it and she went and she had $1,500. She went back to Henry Ford and said, Henry, look at how much your, your dime has made. And the dime had made $1,500. Henry Ford was so impressed he signed the check, he went to see this place, he saw the kids being in the class, he saw them studying, he saw them doing the work, and he signed the check of $1 million. You see, when we increase what is in our hands, God multiplies it. If you're faithful with little, he will be able to trust you with much. Sometimes we want much, but we are battling to be faithful with little. And so God calls us, each and every one of us, for us to increase, to be who we are supposed to be, we need to be learning to be faithful with little. Martha Berry, you can go over in, in, in Rome, in Georgia, she built with Henry Ford and other sponsors, she built a university now. That gift became a university, increased herself, and she became a huge name around the city, and she built a university. Now there is something called the Martha Berry University. Why? Because she was faithful with little, and now God can trust her with much. And so we are called that in what we have, we wouldn't look down upon, but we would allow God to help us to increase it. 
So the first point was he, he entrusts us with our responsibility. He entrusts us with responsibility. And the second part is that he increases our responsibility for faithfulness. And the third part is this, is that the master, he can, if he comes back and he finds you not busy and occupied with what he has called you to do, what he did with that last servant, he judged inexcusable irresponsibility. He judged inexcusable irresponsibility. God is not only that he loves us and he has a father towards us, but God also wants to discipline us. He wants us to be aware of the consequences of not responding to him and walking with him and being able to say, Lord, we will respond to you because that's who you are. A while back, a while back I was walking in a mall. It was late around uh, after, after 4, 20 past 4, half past 4. I was walking in a mall and I wanted to quickly get some stuff. And as I was walking in the mall, I came across, I saw from a distance, there was a mom pushing a, a, a wheelchair. And this mom was pushing the wheelchair and she was coming towards me. And I saw that the child on the wheelchair uh, had a, a Down syndrome because of just the way they were and how they were acting. I saw that the child had a, a, a very heavy uh, Down syndrome and um, it was very difficult when I saw that. And I felt the Lord speak to me right there. And I felt the Lord saying, saying to me that I must, I must just um, greet her and offer if I could, if I could pray for, for, for her child. And um, while they're still walking, now I'm starting to, to wrestle with the Lord in my heart. I started wrestling with the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't think, I don't think it's appropriate. We are in a mall, you know. Um, Lord, this is not how it's supposed to be. And um, I'm feeling uncomfortable to now ask this. And, um, and, and you know how the enemy just starts to to speak doubt to you, you know? And I start to feel like, Lord, what if I, I offer to pray and nothing happens, you know? And the child doesn't get well, you know, I'm gonna be embarrassed because now I've given this offer as if I'm gonna be able to be the one that gets this child off the wheelchair. And I felt, I felt the Lord just speaking to me and I wrestled with this thing. Now, the mom and the child, they're coming closer and closer. And so I started to battle and I said, oh, Lord, I just can't do this. I'm not sure if I'm the right person for this. Lord, someone else, somewhere. Um, you know, I'm, I'm saying all these things. I even came to a point and I'm ashamed to say it. I said, Lord, you know, um, this is a white family. I'm a brown man. And um, <laughs> what are they going to say? This brown man is going to be, oh, Lord, I, this is not me. And eventually they went past me. I didn't pray. I didn't offer to pray for the child. Can you imagine what I felt like? I felt terrible. I was like, oh Lord, I missed out on an opportunity. An opportunity to minister before you and to, to minister to someone for your glory, Lord. I, mean, I, I missed out on, on what I'm called to do. And um, yes, you know those moments you feel like the Lord can just give you comfort. There was no comfort, people. <laughs> no comfort for me. Stay a little bit in your uh, guilt, you know, and I felt like that. I felt like there's no comfort for me. Eventually, um, I felt the Lord saying this to me. 
Your obedience, little law, towards me mustn't be optional. It's a command. Your obedience towards me is not optional. It's a command. When God asks you something, you do it. When God asks you, you obey him. There's no negotiations. There's no discussions. You do it. Because I was more concerned about my feelings and what I thought. God is concerned about advancing his kingdom and glorifying his name. Whether that child was going to be well or not, it's none of my business. I don't heal people. God heals people. Amen. And so that's what I felt. So when God comes and he says, what did you do with what I've given you? Did you, did you? did you do what I was supposed to do? Were you responsible or were you irresponsible? What is he going to find with you? The fourth point, which is our last point. Not only did the master entrust, not only did he increase, not only did he judge inexcusable irresponsibility, the master also rewarded faithfulness. He rewarded faithfulness. Oh, God loves to reward faithfulness. When we are faithful in him, he is faithful towards us. When we honor him, he honors us. And so we are, we are called that we, we, we are supposed to be faithful in him. We are called to, to walk with him, to, to remain steady and strong, to call upon his name, to glorify his name, to make a difference in the world that we live in. And so, Lord, this Lord in that time, he gives them and he says, I will reward faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness because he gave the one that made five and he gave him a portion of bigger responsibility. The one who made two, he, he, he gave them more responsibility. When we are faithful, he rewards our faithfulness in him. This is a recent one in South Africa. A young man by the name of Nkosiko in the Cape a lady came and drove by at the petrol station and she said that, you know what, I just realized as this Nkosiko guy was busy pouring petrol, I just realized that I forgot my wallet, my purse is not with me. And so Nkosiko, the petrol attendant said, not a problem ma'am, I will pour in just 100 rands because that's what I have on me and then you can go and come back and you'll pay me back my 100 bucks. The lady was blown away, and Nkosiko poured in 100 bucks, and because it was on the highway, on the N2, she felt like she didn't want to get stuck, so she just thought, quickly, let me go home and grab the purse. Here's somebody who's trusting me with their money. And so she drove out of the petrol station, she went all the way to, to, to get her purse at home, she came back and she gave Nkosiko back her 100 bucks. But she was so moved by the fact that Nkosiko trusted her. And so she decided and she said, you know what, tell me a little bit more about who you are, where do you stay? Nkosiko told her all the story about who he was, where he was from, and what his wishes were. And she went on Facebook and she made a page for Nkosiko that there will be uh, people that come in and they do this crowdfunding for Nkosiko to be able to build a better house for his family, and also Nkosiko to donate some of his money to a charity. The thing went so big, Nkosiko's 
project went up until it was more than 100,000 rands raised from Cosico. His company, Shell Grudge, they felt that they needed to reward um, Cosico for his kindness for, for what he did for this lady. They asked him if he could, be, he could fly to come over for their conference. And Nkosiko, for the first time, he flew in an airplane to go and attend the conference and to be honored for what he just did. Hey, people, 100 bucks. 100 bucks. God rewards faithfulness. And our faithfulness, sometimes we think it's out there. Our faithfulness, sometimes it's right in our hands. Have you realized, I've seen this a couple of times, when a new baby is born, they come with their clenched fists like this. It's as if to say, I come and I bring something of value here on earth. There's no baby who's born with their hands open. I have nothing. I have nothing. Every baby is born with their clean fist. I'm bringing something. I've got something to offer. I want to encourage you as the body of Christ, as individual, there is something in your hand. And it's to the glory of God. It's to advance his kingdom. It is to make disciples so that God's kingdom can be established on earth as it is in heaven. I want to finish with this sentence. Our success as individuals or even as the local body, as a church, is this. Our success is not evaluated on personal preferences or own personalities. It is evaluated by the purpose of God. It is evaluated on the fact that our purpose, our purpose is for the glory of God. Whenever you find yourself in that space, may you always remember, may it be to the glory of God that you serve him as a nurse, as a doctor, as a teacher, as whatever, may it be to the glory of God and you will see God right there making great things happen. Please stand with me. Perhaps this morning you are wondering, I don't even know what my purpose is. I'm not sure about it. This message is exactly for that. It's to invite you to seek and engage God. It's to seek and know what he's saying so that you are able to act and live out what he has called you to do. And so I would like to pray with you, if you may open your arms like this, and just to, as in to see, to receive and to hear from him. Lord, I want to thank you for each and every person here, that Lord, even though they are opening their hands, but it's actually that you've already given something for each and every one of them. And Lord, I pray that each one will hear your voice based on this message, Lord, that there is something that you've given them to do, that there's some form of a stewardship that they are to steward the gifts you've given them, that Lord, your kingdom will advance, that people will come to the knowledge of who you are because of they know you because they walk with you. And so, Lord, I thank you this morning that, God, you speak into our hearts. May our success, Lord, not be evaluated on our preferences or personalities. May it be upon the fact that we are fulfilling your purpose, that we are doing what we are called to do. 
in Jesus' name. And so, Father, Lord, I speak your blessing on your people. I ask, Lord, that you may come upon each one of them, that, Lord, you may send them out, Lord, that they may go into this world and be the salt and the light. I thank you, Father, Lord, that you will shine your face upon them, that you will give them peace, Lord, that they will draw near to you because they sense your love in all that they do and in who they are. Thank you, Father, for them, and I thank you, Father, Lord, that your kingdom will come. I thank you that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a blessed week. Thank you. Yes. There will be tea for visitors, and there will also be pastors here to pray with you. Have a blessed week, and there will also be baptism. Thank you.